0: Welcome to another edition of the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. March is here. We are happy for it. We've arrived at Championship Week with Selection Sunday on deck. Bringing on alongside Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. Chris, what's going on, man?
1: Man, a little blurry-eyed from watching all the the Championship Week games, uh, some of which extend till the wee hours of the morning on Eastern Time. But uh, it's been great. I- I've loved watching it. Uh, sometimes I think championship week is as exciting or more so than the mm-hmm. NCAA tournament because these kids have, have worked all season for the goal of representing their school in the NCAAs and they really lay it on the line. And I've seen some pretty good games and Blue Ribbon has looked pretty good in our preseason predictions, except for a notable exception. Yes. Uh, your, your former your former employer yeah what the
0: heck happened to belmont i don't know man uh they they just got a uh, shot out of the gym by uh, Moorhead state who uh
1: it hit it
0: at a clip of 54% overall 9 of 19 from 3 11 of 12 from the foul line they out rebounded them 38 28 in the eagles 186 71 now it you know it wasn't a total fluke Moorhead was good the whole season they went 17 and yeah. 3 in the conference they they finished second by a game to belmont and, and
1: had beaten belmont earlier yeah they a week or two
0: earlier. yeah they had beaten them in overtime the week before, uh, but it's just one of those games. They they shot it great. Uh, Johnny Broom was terrific, twenty seven and twelve, and they led most of the way. They were up at double figures at halftime, and Belmont got never got it back to a uh, single figures. I don't believe in the second half, but you know, I was thinking that was that's the first time they've been in the tournament since the uh, Kenneth Farid days back in uh, twenty eleven when they upset Louisville in the first round. I think they got beat by Richmond in the second round, but uh, now the best for Belmont, uh, best they can hope for, is the NIT which is just unbelievable to think about when you consider that less than two weeks ago, they were 24 and one. And, uh, yeah. they, they have the most wins in the country with 26, but, uh, all the uh, NCAA hopes, unfortunately, uh, out the window, but a uh, great season anyway for, for Casey Alexander and his team. And, um, and all those
1: kids will be back if they yeah, want to be, Yeah,
0: if they want to be, they, you, uh, they, they can all come back, uh, of course, Grayson Murphy and, and, uh, Nick Musinski, uh, the two main ones. It'll be interesting to see what they do, but they, they have, you know, they can certainly come back. I mean, they, they could have come back anyway because, uh, they're, they're only juniors as far as classification. Right. So, uh, you got Moorhead State in. Liberty was the first team in the tournament. Uh, they won the ASUN regular season, which the way they're doing it this year, they got the bid. Uh, Appalachian State won the Sun Belt 80 to 73 over Georgia State Monday. First time since 2000 for the Mountaineers. Um, they were the fourth seed. They went seven and eight in the uh, conference in the regular season. Winthrop won the Big South. Beat Campbell eighty to fifty three. UNC Greensboro won the SoCon. They beat Mercer sixty nine sixty one. Isaiah Miller twenty five twelve and six for UNC Greensboro. So we got Chris already a handful of teams that are in. You might you might as well go ahead and put Gonzaga in there. I'm going to go ahead and project that they're going to win their conference tournament. The, the way they looked last night in the uh, the game I watched.
1: I'm, I'm going to speculate that they've done enough uh, already <laughs> at that at-large bid, even if they were to lose, which I doubt. Um, we decided, you know, they, they had lost Petrusive, uh in, in July, and uh, I asked our writer, Trey Williams, to ask Coach Few and, and Coach Lloyd, his assistant, do you still think you guys are the top team in the country? We're We're still thinking about picking you number one. And they did not recoil from that one bit. They they thought that was okay. Uh, we picked them. And dang, if they also didn't get Andrew Nimbard eligible. As it turned out, he, everybody got eligible. But at that time, it was, you know, a surprise. They were anticipating him redshirting. And then, you know, the former Florida point guard is, has fit right into that bunch. And, and uh, yeah, they're just – well, they're the best offensive team in the country. And, you know, they're a lot better defensive team than they're given credit for. They've got depth. And Mark Few, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. There's no doubt about it. He's not there yet, but he will be. Uh, He's got that program rolling, and this could be the year. We're going with them. We picked them preseason number one. We're going to roll with them until they get put out. They're our boys.
0: Sounds like a good plan. It's hard to pick against them. They're they're just so... Hard to stop offensively. I mean, I watched that semifinal game last night. I believe they're playing St. Mary's, and I mean, it it was over early. They just—it's always a quick knockout, uh, pretty much every game from those guys. Uh, We live here in SEC country. The uh, all-SEC teams uh, are out. uh, Were announced this morning. Uh, Not really a whole lot of surprise when you look at the uh, the first team. Alabama well represented with Herbert Jones and John Petty, the two veteran players there. Moses Moody of Arkansas, Trey Mann from Florida, Cameron Thomas, the uh, talented freshman and leading scorer for the league uh, from LSU. Devonte Shuler, who I've seen a lot of here in the last few days from Ole Miss, Drew Smith, Missouri, and uh, Scotty Pippen, Jr., second leading scorer in the SEC. Battled some entries here in the uh, last couple weeks, but uh, had a 36-point game against Cincinnati in a game they added back on Thursday and really had a terrific year at uh, 20 points per game and second leading assist man in the SEC. So that's the first team. Uh You look on down the way, the coach of the year is Nate Oates of Alabama, Herbert Jones the player of the year. I think a lot of people thought that 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 would be the case. You know, he may not be the leading scorer in the league, but you look across all the categories and all the things he does for his team. If you really watched him a lot, you, you could tell that he was the guy. Uh, the scholar athlete of the year is Dylan Desu of Vanderbilt. Freshman of the year, Moses Moody from Arkansas. He's really good. Six man of the year, JD Note from Arkansas. And defensive player of the year was Herbert Jones of Alabama. So, uh, th- those are the awards announced this morning. It's interesting, Chris, too, to look at the first and second team all conference selections. Nothing from Kentucky. Uh, the only player they had represented was uh, Isaiah Jackson on the All Defensive Team, but uh, and he also made the All Freshman Team. But first and second teams, uh, n- nobody from Kentucky on there. A lot of Alabama players, though. You know, they they were the best team all season, and uh, they were well represented on the All Conference squads.
1: Yeah, we made a good call on Alabama. I I decided uh, in preseason to rank them in our top twenty-five and and uh, they were even better than than i thought and herbert jones deserves player of the year uh by any metric you can name uh, he didn't have like the best stats going but uh uh you know i don't think that's the criteria of a player of the year i i think uh, the guy who uh, uh has the biggest impact on the best team in the league and he certainly did you know defensively he's the best and You know, he really improved his offensive game, too. So I have no complaints with any of those teams. Doesn't surprise me about Kentucky. Uh friend of the show, Jimmy Dykes, made a great comment. He said this wasn't a Kentucky recruiting class that had an Anthony Davis or somebody that uh, Carl Anthony Towns that could be a lottery pick. They just didn't have that kind of class. And Jay Billis, uh, another friend of the show, has always said that you know, you need two or three surefire NBA players if you want to play in the NCAAs and have a chance to win the thing. And, and right now, you know, Kentucky just doesn't have that kind of talent. And, you know, they got out to that six game losing streak early in the year and it's been a nutty year anyway with COVID and everything. And I'll tell you, it was just a struggle, uh, such as, uh, the likes of which have not been seen in the Coach Cal <laughs> era in yeah. Kentucky.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, in the uh, decade plus that he's been there, nothing like this has happened. They had the one year when Errolins Noel got hurt that they didn't make the tournament and, and ended up in the uh, in NIT. NIT, yeah, yeah, lost to I think it was Robert Morris. They they lost in the first oh, round. Robert Morris, you, yeah. That's... You had the you had the right city though, uh, right city, wrong team.
1: Yeah, was, just <laughs> right. I was, I was close, was
0: close. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's very unusual uh, for, for them to have something like that happen. Chris, you know going into the season early on you wrote a long story about luca garza of iowa and he's going to have his number in the rafters in des moines the, that guy now he's really lived up to his billing hasn't he uh, when you look at the season and, and his career
1: he really has um j uh, billis uh, once again mentioning him he had a great quote he says we say wouldn't watch what that really means is that the other candidates for the Wooden Award are going to be there to watch Luca Garza <laughs> get it. <laughs> but he's the NCAA scoring leader. He's got 642 points. He's uh, the leader in, in player efficiency rating. He's got the most 30-point games. He's got the most points since ranked versus ranked teams since 2019-20, 592. Man. He's Iowa's all-time leading scorer. And he's had uh, 19 straight Big Ten games with 20-plus points from January 10th through December 25th. Incredible. And he's as good a kid um, as he is a player. And I really enjoyed uh, interviewing him and talking to his coaches and people that know him. And he's just a hard worker. And, you know, I think scouts are mixed on his NBA future Uh you know, relating to whether he can guard up there. But right. I, I think he can play up there. And I think he'll work as hard as, as is humanly possible to not only be on a roster, but to contribute. I think he can. And he's just been a joy to watch in the college game. Uh, he picked a perfect program to play for. And he has shined. Uh, he just got so many weapons and skills. and And he, you know, I always test kids. When I write pieces about them for NBA.com, which I used to write a column for the draft, I, I would give them what I call the Bill Russell test. And if they had heard of, it wasn't always Bill Russell that I threw out there, but if they had heard of a player from the past and not only heard about them, but emulated them, uh, they had a chance. Yeah. And this kid Garza, he he studies film of all the great big men, you know, Wan, uh, Jack Sigma. Jabbar, people like that, and and he understands what made them great, and he incorporates that into his game. So he's as cerebral as he is physical.
0: As long as we're in the Big Ten, Chris, maybe we shouldn't be surprised given uh, Tom Izzo's history of his teams getting better as uh, seasons go along, but what about the run by Michigan State? They beat three top five teams in less than two weeks to likely now have a spot in the tournament. com said the last team to do it was 1997 Arizona, when they made their NCAA run to the title, they beat Kansas, they beat North Carolina, and then they beat Kentucky, all number one seeds to get to the championship. But you know, back to Michigan State, uh, that, that's a pretty impressive run. You, know, you think about where they were a couple months ago, it looked like they were pretty shaky, but now it looks like they're, they're going to be in.
1: Yeah, the Big Ten's a rough league to slip down in, but Coach Izzo has always impressed me in that despite the meat grinder he knows is going to happen in, in the Big Ten schedule, he'll always play anybody anytime anywhere and that usually gets them ready for February and March and this run doesn't surprise me at all it wouldn't be an NCAA tournament without Michigan State in it even though they they've had a couple of bounce outs remember yeah. the middle tennessee state team of mm-hmm. of a few years back when when uh, the spartans were a number 2 seed and 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 the and and uh, blue raiders were 15th that was stunning but Uh, what's stunning to me, as long as we're on the subject of the big 10, they have not won a national championship, uh, since 2000, Michigan state, right. Mateen, Mateen Cleaves. Could this be the year we'll have to ask our upcoming guest, Mike DeCoursey, who works for the big 10 network, uh, whether he thinks that streak can be broken, but a lot of people, you know, a lot of pundits now are saying, yeah, the big 10 might be the deepest, but maybe the Big Twelve has the most teams that might have a chop to win it all. So it'll be curious. I'll be curious to see what Mike thinks.
0: I know if I'm picking a Big Ten team, I think can win it all. It might be the one in Champaign Urbana, Illinois. Just continues to improve me. They impress me, I should say. They just have something about them. They have some. It's that toughness element that, that you need to, to grind and win those six games and get it done. So we will ask Mike about that coming up in just a moment. From the Sporting News uh, columnist and Big Ten Network analyst as well, Mike DeCoursey at TSN. Mike is where you can find him.
1: Yeah, he's also a bracketologist for Fox Sports too. Mm-hmm. He, um, You know, he's he's their version of Joe Lenardi. So he'll have a lot to say. And he might even tell us what the best movie of last year was. <laughs> yeah. He always watches the best picture uh, nominees every one of them and ranks them which uh i look forward to to seeing his opinion mike's a renaissance guy for sure but yeah talking about illinois uh, it, it what they did at michigan without osumu is is incredible and then osumu comes back with that mask i i thought some people said he looked like the batman i said it looked like he was uh, participating in mardi gras uh, <laughs> but uh you know, he's got that mask to protect that facial injury he suffered. But he's a player, and, and they've got some men. Uh, Brad Underwood just does a great job. I thought that was a great hire. It took him a couple of seasons to get it going, but they're definitely, they've are definitely they definitely got it going.
0: Chris, our guest has arrived. He is indeed Mike DeCorsi of the Sporting News and Big Ten Network. Mike, what's going on?
2: Hey, gentlemen, how are you this morning?
0: We're doing great. We're, we're uh, doing
2: well. Glad and, March is uh, here. Yeah.
1: Um, uh, Mike and I go back a long way. He he was a valued contributor to blue ribbon before the sporting news got smart and hired him away from the newspaper business. Uh, but I think it's cool, Mike, that you've gone through the progression as we all have as journalists, you know, you've, you've had to do multimedia, radio, TV, which you excel at. And now you are a bracketologist. How has that gone? And, uh, we dig Illinois on this podcast. What do you think?
2: Oh, I, I like Illinois a lot. I think that they play uh, extraordinary defense. They have uh, great. They have multiple terrific point guards uh, in their in their situation with uh, Corbello coming along so well. And the one thing I wonder about with Illinois is uh, the the reliability of their tertiary scoring. They know what they're going to get out of Coburn uh, most of the time, depending on how he's defended and, and and what that might open for them otherwise. But they get a general idea of what he's going to deliver. and And Dasumu has been extremely consistent. and And I love Trent Fraser. Uh, he, he's a wonderful player. Uh, I do wonder at times whether opponents can take him out. Maybe they get so caught up with the other two that sometimes they forget about him. Uh, if Adam Miller came into the big 10 tournament and started to make shots and, and get buckets, I would be a hundred percent on board with that. Uh, but I, I, I still wonder about that element of their, of their game, whether or not that, that is there well enough for them to get through the biggest games as, as for, uh, being a, a bracketologist. Okay, it's yeah. Uh, it's, it's been wonderful. Uh, the, the people at Fox have been just an absolute delight to work with. Uh, I, I, Very fortunate to have the opportunity to work with, you know, both with the people behind the scenes. There's so many terrific people as well as uh, the people that you see on screen. Rob Stone, Casey Jacobson, the the unpredictable Steve Lavin,
1: uh, (laughs) my my
2: old friend from uh, BTN, uh, uh, Jim Jackson. It's been it's been fantastic.
1: Is it is it? a ton of your workload i remember in the early days of bracketology with with joe Lenardi, he he of course was uh was in administration at st joseph's and he also called uh, st joseph's games as color analyst on radio right and i don't know that 24 hours in a day was nearly enough for him has this uh <laughs> exponentially increased your workload uh, to a, to a manageable level or or has it been unmanageable at sometimes?
2: Well, it, it it adds a level of of complication, but I I can manage. Uh, what 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 I will say is that uh, I don't know. I, I you know they they are competitors, uh, although they're all uh, both really good friends of mine. I mean, I've known Jerry for twenty years and and Joe for nearly forty. Yeah, uh, and so they're 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 old friends, but I, I because they are, I've never asked them exactly. What their process is, I am. I I'm not a big computer guy. I mean, I can turn mine on and I can run the internet and all that. But, uh, I, I, so I do my brackets pretty much by hand. And every time I do it, I'm sitting there cursing Jerry Palm and saying, "I, you know, he's a he's a computer guy. That was what he. That's what he did before he got into this." So I I just know he's got some computer program that accounts for all the conference conflicts and accounts for all the scheduling conflicts that you're trying to avoid. I know he's got some computer program that takes care of all that for him and I'm sitting there like having to double check the schedules. Uh but uh it's 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 been great and and uh, the way Fox promotes me uh, my work I should say uh, during the games that they televise, uh, it's, I couldn't ask for more. It's, it it really makes me proud and, and, and it, it helps shine a light on not only me, but also Sporting News and Sporting News has been my home for 25 years going on 26. And so uh, I think that's great for, for the Sporting News brand as well.
1: Mike DeCorzi
0: is our guest from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network, and you can see his brackets on Fox, uh, as we talked about. Uh, do, you, do you think Michigan State is safe, especially after those three top five wins in less than two weeks? And and also, did you ever think we'd see a tournament without Kentucky and Duke, as it looks like we're going to have? Uh,
2: you know, I, I, it, I, it doesn't surprise me that we'd have one without either. Uh, we, but we both. One in, yeah, both is the thing. Uh, when, we had one in 2013 when – uh when Nerlands Noel got hurt and Kentucky couldn't hold on down the stretch, and uh, go back to t- 1995 when uh, Duke missed because uh, Coach K got ill following his back surgery, uh, so there, it has happened in, during my career. It, the, both of them together, not during my career. Uh, that's this is the first for that. Uh, so the, both still have the occasion, the opportunity uh, to win their way into the tournament. It's a long road uh, for each of them uh but uh not impossible uh because the uh, Kentucky has beaten or challenged some of the better teams in their league and duke has uh, duke has certainly uh shown the capability of of stepping forward at times so well I, I don't expect either of those things to happen uh but have to account for the possibility uh, but it it's it you know it's been a terrific year in college basketball and and, and I, I i i sit here on uh what's now march 9th and i I remember where i was a year ago at this time and uh, i was on my way back from chicago uh from my last regular season appearance on btn and things were just starting to change a little bit Uh, uh there was an announcement that the btn studio wouldn't be in in uh in indianapolis where the tournament would be it would be back in chicago and uh, and then uh, there was a call for Fox uh, about uh, how the pandemic procedures uh, for it wasn't a pandemic yet but the virus procedures for those of us who work for the network and and then uh Sporting News uh, got an email from my 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 editor and said hey, you know if you don't want to travel down here for the first round games I think they were going to be in Greensboro you, you don't have to and I'm like, well, why wouldn't I travel to that if I'm going to the final four? And then two days after that, there was no final four, no first round, no anything. Man. Yeah.
0: It's, yeah that, it it that was is... crazy. And yeah, it's, it kind of made me think back to that time, time this week too. You know, when you go back a year and think about what all's happened since then uh, on Michigan State, uh, you feel like they're safe now, you know, with the work they've done, especially here in the last couple of weeks.
2: Yeah. They played Maryland now in their first Big Ten tournament game. Uh, Second round, I guess it is technically. And, uh, they, that, that's the eight, nine matchup for the league. And what I think Michigan State is playing for at this point is seeding to an extent, uh, and to avoid the first four. I, I believe if they lose, then there's a chance that they end up having to play an extra game in the NCAA tournament. If they win against Maryland, then I think they're in. If Maryland loses, they could be out. And, and I, I mean, l- literally, Ten days ago, eight days ago, I told a friend who's a Maryland fan who was kind of you know get, I get a lot of I get a lot of stuff from fans of teams that are struggling and try, and bubble type teams uh, about oh my team's not going to make it and I told this guy oh they're going to make it all they had to do really was beat either Northwestern on the road or Penn State at home in the last week of the season and managed to lose both and now I, I'm not saying they're out I, I still have them in my bracket but they're on the first four line. If they lose to Michigan State, I think then you're kind of depending on the, uh, uh on the outcomes of other games. Uh, does, do others people take a step behind you in line? Because your, your position is fixed at that point. And I don't think their position is strong enough for them to want it to be fixed. So that's a, that's a really important game for everyone involved. Uh, I believe that happens on Thursday.
1: Mike, we've loved Alabama. Uh, from preseason to now, uh, and they've actually exceeded my expectations. We ranked them 14th in the, in our preseason poll in, in the yearbook. Do you think if they were to win the SEC tournament, they could maybe claim a number one seed?
2: You know, I just don't see how it, it's plausible. Uh, their non-conference performance just wasn't, I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't, it wasn't not good enough. It wasn't good. And and so I, I I just don't see how they can reach the level uh that the other teams that are in that conversation and, and right now Illinois is the team that would be in that spot. Uh Alabama certainly has a lot to recommend it, but when you when you look at it and your best win is over number eighteen, Tennessee, uh and after that it's number twenty eight LSU uh on the road it's it's hard to stack that up with beating number 3 on the road and doing it by 23 points which is what Illinois did and beating uh number 9 on the road and doing that by 5 points and beating number 6 at home uh they, they Illinois has all of those wins already in the bank and and then and then you start getting down to the Wisconsins and and people like that 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 would be comparable at least from a net standpoint a net ranking standpoint uh, to, to the better wins that Alabama has. So I, I don't think that the, that the numbers support that, uh, e- even if Illinois were to lose a semifinal game or something like that.
0: Mike DeCorsey is our guest from the Sporting News and the Big Ten Network. To, to kind of circle back to talking about basketball and this whole pandemic deal, when, when, when the season started in late November, how optimistic were you that we get to this point, you know, on the doorstep of, of having the NCAA tournament again with, you know, all the cancellations that we've seen along the way? 100%.
2: Yeah. I never doubted once. I, I, I honestly never understood why. I mean, we'd already at that point gotten a World Series champ, uh, an MLS comp cha- champ, the NWSL had finished their tournament. Uh, I, we, uh, most of the country's college football programs were on the field, uh, I, I never understood why people looked at basketball in particular and said they're the ones that are going to fail. I didn't get it. And I so I never believed once we got everybody else onto the field of play that basketball uh, would be unable to navigate uh, that circumstance. Now, I mean, it took a lot uh, of challenges and resilience and flexibility uh, and, and understanding from everyone involved and sacrifice. Uh, from the players and coaches and the managers and the officials and and sideline staff. It took a lot of all of that. But I I never for one moment doubted once once sports came back, I never understood why college hoops was the one that people circled and said, yeah, but they're going to (laughs) fail.
1: Mike, uh, I've been already, you know, I always worry about this year-round because I have to put a 400 – Page 650,000 word book together. Uh, but have you pondered what it's going to be like after the season when th- the transfers start happening? I talked to an SEC coach, uh, earlier this week who talked about, uh, not revamping, but certainly making some additions and said he could take as many as three transfers. Do, do you think it's going to be the wild, wild west?
2: In that regard, I mean, if, you, if that's the analogy you want to you use, uh, it is going to be uh, a lot of movement. and In part, uh, because of the added year of eligibility the, that the NCAA granted, and I think rightly so, uh, I, I, the added year of eligibility might mean more players seeking opportunity elsewhere because they're blocked where they are. Uh, I don't know how many players are going to uh, – uh, you know, use the, use the year of eligibility to go get a different experience. I'm not sure how much that's going to be the case. I would think if you're going, if you're going to all the trouble to stick around for another year, it, I, I believe it would ordinarily be uh, that you liked your experience and feel, feel you can still get more out of it. Not that, well, I, I've been here for five years and now I get an extra year if I want. And so let's go see if maybe there's something else out there. I, I I'll be shocked if that's common. I the, the more common thing to me will be uh, somebody is, you know, is, is a, is a, not necessarily a professional prospect or, or a marginal professional prospect and thinks, I think I can get it. You know, I, I can get another, I can get, get a, a MBA here. Uh, I can get almost a hundred percent of the way to an MBA or something like that. Uh, uh, or I, I, you know, I, I, I still think I can get more minutes if I play if I play harder or whatever, and I think that there might be a good bit of that. Uh, so we'll see a, a ton of transfers because of that. Also, just because the rules are starting to relax and uh, and the restrictions are starting to relax, and it, it'll be different than anything we're accustomed to. And. You know, the interesting thing about that is I wrote about this in the, in uh, in announcing Kate Cunningham as the National Freshman of the Year for Sporting News that it, it's funny how people bang on the idea of one and dones being bad for college basketball. And I I would like someone to explain to me how having the opportunity to watch that young man uh play for Oklahoma State this year was bad for college basketball. I, I want to hear the logic that goes into that. It, 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 you, how can you pin it? How can you pin that to be a problem when we get to see these great athletes play in college uniforms? And at the same time that that's happening, if your concern is commitment to the program, well, there's, there are more transfers now than ever. So commitment is the same, really, if commitment is the proper word. Uh, The commitment is the same in all all four classes. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, they all have the same approach and the same designs and the same desires. It's just that some of them have, like Kate Cunningham, a lot more talent.
1: Mike, we can't let you get out without our annual question. One of the things Mike does that's as impressive as his sports accomplishments, he watches every Oscar Best Picture Uh, nomination and ranks them. So, my friend, uh, what is the best picture you saw in 2020?
2: Well, to date, I mean, I have seen some wonderful movies. I think the best picture I've seen to date, uh, I really liked One Night in Miami. Uh, That was probably my favorite of the the ones I've seen. I have of the ones that are being promoted as possible nominees. We still don't have the list. They delayed it. I haven't seen Nomad Land. I haven't seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet. I haven't seen Promising Young Woman. Uh, those movies they're looking at as possible contenders, but it's been, you know, what's amazing to me is it's been a really strong year in movies. And for a while, nobody was releasing anything because they didn't know what to do with them. They, they, they couldn't put them in theaters. There were no theaters. Right. It was too early to, to, I, they hadn't figured out the streaming thing yet. Uh, to the extent that you know is it wise to put this up there and then lose any possibility for it to be released uh, you know i paid 20 bucks the other night uh on online or on on my uh on my uh, uh direct tv to watch minari uh it's a it's a lovely movie about a korean family that relocates to arkansas and deals with uh, trying to farm in, in in that community and it's really a, a very good movie and you know, I, I, my, my, when it comes up on the uh screen, you see 20 bucks. I mean, I used to pay three bucks, but no, I mean, mm-hmm. I used to see this movie in a theater and I'd pay 25. So uh, I, between that and the movies that we get through Netflix and that sort of thing, it's, it's been a fantastic year in movies. There've been great pictures. Uh So I, 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 I'm, I'm really excited about uh seeing the the rest of the list. And I, I, I would recommend all of the movies that I mentioned, uh, the, the uh, uh, Minari's great. Uh, one night in Miami is great. News of the world was wonderful. Uh, I, I, I thought the per- performances in Ma Rainey's black bottom, uh, from Chadwick Bozeman and Viola Davis were two just absolutely, uh, stopping performances. They were incredible. It, it, it takes a little bit to, to remember that it was originally a play, uh, by August Wilson and it really, you feel the play more in that movie than in any play adaptation that I'd seen. And so you have to sort of adjust yourself to that. But once you give yourself over to that and, and watch it more as a stage play than as a movie, uh, it's really, it's really powerful.
0: Well, the Academy award for best podcast guest goes to Mike DeCoursey. We always appreciate the time <laughs> and uh, hope you come back and join us again.
2: Thanks guys. Thanks buddy. Take care. Take care.
0: That was Mike DeCoursey of the Sporting News and the Big 10 Network. Uh, always terrific to visit with him. He knows a lot of stuff whether it's basketball or movies. You can ask him just about anything and uh, Chris uh, it, it's always a lot of fun to not only hear his basketball breakdown but his movie breakdown. I feel bad I've never seen a lot of the pictures that, that you guys talk about, but uh, it makes me wish that I had and, and maybe go in search of them and, and check them out.
1: Well, you know, he he really does know his stuff on films and he's right. It was a unusually pretty good year considering the circumstances but I, I, you're like me i i got hooked on some some series that are for streaming only and and limited series uh, uh like the queen's gambit so we're in a renaissance golden age of entertainment i find myself getting nervous because i've got a stack of books on my on my uh, nightstand that I haven't gotten to and and a bunch of shows and movies that I haven't seen. And of course now there's games going on. Right. Well, interesting.
0: Yeah. Maybe sometime in April and May, you can uh, check them all out. But uh, Chris, Chris is always great to do the podcast and uh, looking forward to selection Sunday. seeing what that has in store for us. Of course, conference tournaments going on this week, but uh, always great. uh, And uh, we'll catch up with you next time, man.
1: Sounds good, man.
0: He's Chris Dorch. I'm Kevin Ingram. This is the Blue Ribbon College Basketball Podcast. We will talk to you next week.